Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Psalm 42, and I would like to begin reading with, with verse number 5 this evening. Psalm 42 and verse number 5. Sister McGee, if you just take me all the way to 11, and I, I'll, I'll probably do just a little bit of skipping there, but Psalm 42 and verse number 5. Glad to have our guests with us tonight. House of the Lord. Amen. Appreciate you being here. Amen. We love you. I want you to know that you can uh, come here anytime that you would uh, deem it possible. Or you just might even like, you even might get to where you just like to come. Amen. Nothing wrong with that at all. Psalms 42, verse number 5. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar. Bible says in verse number 9 I will say unto God my rock why hast thou forgotten me why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy as with a sword in my bones my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me where is thy God why art thou cast down O my soul why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Someone say amen. Amen. Tonight, and very simply, and I, I am not here to steal away much of your time this evening. But I would like to speak on this subject matter. I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him. Let's join our voices together in prayer if we can tonight. Father, we love you. We adore you. Pray, oh God, tonight that you have a minister in this place. And God needs that may be represented here that we may not be acquainted with or know every detail of them but God you are fully acquainted and Lord are Lord Jesus aware of every detail in this house this evening I pray God that you would lift God the burden Lord Jesus and the spirit of heaviness God I pray God upon your people God, strengthen them through and by your word. God, for we shall yet praise you and honor you and glorify your heavenly name. In this place that I pray, the church say amen. 
Amen. You may be seated tonight. The lovely name of the Lord. I will, for I shall yet praise, I shall yet praise him. Psalms 42 is written, the Bible says, or some of our Bible should say, the superscript before uh, the psalm gives us a little indication, although they are not a part of the Holy Writ, they were written shortly thereafter, gives us a little indication to whom uh, this was written or who did the writing as it would be. The Bible says, at least in my Bible, the superscript is to the chief musician, Mashil for the sons of Korah. There is a series of the Psalms uh, here that are of or for, if you will, the sons of Korah. The actual interpretation of the superscript is not so much for them, but as it is of them, being as though it were their hands that wrote and penned the words of this particular Psalm that I read in your hearing this evening. With that being the case, if we can just one more time grasp a little bit of the understanding of the history of the sons of Korah, their existence by and large is really uh, due to a decision on their part of them still being around and in existence is due to a choice that they had made. We understand the Old Testament writ that declares to you and I the story of what would have been their father, some grandfather, however back far you would want to go, a man by the name of Korah, who was of a special group of priests whose responsibility it was to handle those things that were sacred, such as the Ark of the Covenant and the lampstand and the table of shoe bread and the altar and so on and so forth. It was their responsibility to after the priest had went in and overlaid the, the, the coverings of the blue and as the different coverings were, and they were somewhat different, the coverings upon these pieces of furniture when it was time to move the tabernacle, it was the obligation and the responsibility of Korah and the Korhathites to go in and take up the Ark of the Covenant carry it upon their shoulders into its next place of location in order for them to pitch the tabernacle tent once again and set up these instruments. We understand from the history of Korah, their ancestor, that there was a root of, of jealousy and envy that entered into the heart of Korah against Moses and against Aaron. He, he began to theorize that they had a better role and a better place than what he had and that he was just as qualified as they were in order to operate as the deliverer or operate as the high priest for the children of Israel. And with that root of bitterness and that root of jealousy and envy and strife that entered at his heart, he gathered around him a grouping of people. The Bible says 250 priests for even that measure, but two others in particular by the name of Dathan and Abiram that would come a part of this conspiracy against Moses and against Aaron. And they were going to settle a deal concerning who should have the rightful place of deliverer and the high priest. And it was on a certain day at a certain time that they were to bring the people and bring the 250 priests that was with uh, Korah with censers in their hands to decide this ordeal. And the Bible says that the word of the Lord would come unto Moses and speak to him very plainly, very frankly, and say, Moses, let there be a word that come forth that you speak in the ears of the people that are there, that if they will separate themselves from the tents of Korah, they will separate themselves from the wickedness of these men, the wickedness of these tents, 
that I, the Lord, will open up the ground of the earth. Never had been done prior to that time that I'll open up the ground of the earth and I will swallow up Korah and those conspirators and those that are standing with him. But if you separate yourself from their tents, then you shall be spared. So it was with that voice that Moses gave the people that he was speaking to a choice and a decision that they had to decide whether or not they were going to stand with Korah or whether they were going to stand with Moses and Aaron, which would ultimately be standing with the Lord because God had put them in their place, not just Moses and not just Aaron, but even Korah in the capacity in which he was serving. And so as the Bible speaks evidently, there was some separation that happened of the people from Korah and the conspirators and those that served with him. As a matter of fact, you would think that if it wasn't flesh and blood that you would separate, not wanting to go down, amen, with Korah and be swallowed by the earth. But evidently, according to the word of God, the Old Testament declares to us that evidently some of his own flesh and blood separated from him and from this picture of dismal that was about to happen in their life because the Bible, I believe it says, whether in Numbers or Deuteronomy, the Bible says, notwithstanding, the children of Korah died not. And so these children that had been reared and raised at the table of of Korah and the Kohathites, there were some of them that had a, a mind and a choice and a decision that said, you know what? We're we're not necessarily in agreement with what Korah is purporting here. We're not necessarily in agreement as though we should be the deliverers and we should be the high priest. We believe that God has placed us where we should to function with handling the holy things and the sacred things. And so we're going to separate ourselves from them. And as a result of that, there is the children of Korah that we can read of even in the time of the Psalms that are still yet in existence because the Psalm 43, or 42 rather, was written for or more particularly of the sons of Korah. But according to the history, those sons who would have stepped into the role of their father and would have carried the, 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 the Ark of the Covenant and would have carried the lampstand and would have carried all of those sacred pieces of furniture, which was no doubt a very high and esteemed honor. These sons that would have done that now because of the sins of their father and the sins of those that were with him, they do not serve in that capacity. They do not have that experience. They do not have that afforded to them that would have been given to them as a part of their lineage and a part of being a descendant of Korah. Now all of that has changed. The Bible tells us now as we enter into the time of the tabernacle of David and even the temple of Solomon that it would be the Kohathites or the sons of Korah that would be just doorkeepers and porters at the house of God. Not not carrying the ark, not carrying the lampstand, but just porters in the house of God. And what I portray to you tonight of Psalms 42 is a bunch of the sons of Korah that is meeting a time or if I can even say it like this, a season in their life that they are discouraged and they are downhearted and they are overwhelmed because they're sitting there with a little bit of a taste of what they could have had, but now they are not capable of having. 
And I don't know the exact amount of time from the moment of Korah's uh, uh, rebellion against Moses and to the point then that they were given the responsibility of being porters and gatekeepers now only in the house of God. But evidently these boys had a little uh, a longing in their soul, a longing for the things of God and they speak very uh, affectionately toward the Lord and they say, Lord, why is our soul cast down? Why, why are we disquieted and we're roaring within ourselves and we're somewhat upset and it seems like, God, every hope is lost except the hope that we have in you. And then they follow up this statement with a very peculiar phrase as they do this. They say, for I shall yet praise him. For I shall yet praise the Lord. They begin to make admission to the Lord. They say, God, my soul is cast down. I am not in a good state right now. I feel overwhelmed. I feel cheated. I feel discouraged. I'm going through a season right now that is not the springtime of life, nor is it the summertime of life. I'm feeling overwhelmed by what's going on. I feel isolated. I feel quarantined. I feel like I've been, I've been uh, given a bill of goods that is less than what my forefathers had. I'm cast down. I'm discouraged. I'm overwhelmed. My soul within me is very, very, very in a bad state right now as I'm pondering of what we could have had when I'm pondering what the generations before us had, I am very much so disquieted within my spirit. And then he cries out and speaks unto the Lord as they do. And they say, God, I'll say unto God, my rock, why have you forgotten us? As is the case, whenever you find yourself in discouraging moments, if circumstances can't just cause discouragement enough for you, you will turn toward the very one that can help you. And you'll start playing the blame game on God. God, have you forgotten me? You could have kept all of this from happening. You, you could have stayed the hand of adversity or you could have stayed the hand of sickness or you could have stayed the hand of all of these troublesome things that have come upon my life. You could have allowed me to pass by this season, pass by this woe. God, have you forgotten? God to me. He said, I, I'm mourning all the day long. The enemies are out there. The adversaries are out there. Do you understand? The Bible says that there was a time in the Old Testament way that, that the iniquities of the father, amen, that the children had to bear out or they had to live life from the iniquities of their father, amen. And here we are, the children of Korah, they separated themselves from the tents of wickedness. They separated themselves from the tents of their father, but they have a stigma upon their life because of who they're associated with, with Korah. And so no doubt they're facing critical words. No doubt they're facing the snide comments and the wrinkled up noses. Hey, that's one of the sons of Korah, the rebeller. That's, that's one of the sons of Korah, the one that, that conspired against Moses and against Aaron. And so they're mourning because although they were not a part of it, they're bearing the stigma of that whole situation and that circumstance. The enemies are oppressing us, O oh Lord. It's almost as though they have a sword and they're piercing us through. They're piercing us through our flesh and piercing us through our bones. And so God, I'm asking daily, where are you? You gave me a choice. You gave me a decision that day. I made what I thought was the right choice. 
and the right decision. But I'm in a place of how I'm feeling right now. I'm wondering, did I make the right choice? Now, it's inevitable what would happen if they had not made the choice they made. But they're wondering this. Would it have been better for an instant problem of swallowing of the earth than to deal with the daily anguish and pain and criticism that we have dealt with all of our lives? God, where are you? Mm -hmm. Why art thou cast down? My soul are kind of talking to themselves. I'm cast down. I'm discouraged. I'm overwhelmed. I, my, my, my system is roaring inside of me. I'm disquieted. And yet they throw in that little phrase again. Yet I shall praise him. Or I shall yet praise him. What that interprets to me tonight is this. My father's handling holy and sacred things, the great honor that that was for them, and how much I long that I could serve in that capacity to do what they have done and to experience what they experience with that, to trample the floor of the tabernacle, to have the responsibility, uh, if you will, the privilege to have the Ark of the Covenant rest upon my shoulder. Oh, that would have been a magnificent thing in order for me to be involved with. Hallelujah. And it was a great thing for their day, and they kind of overlooked the importance of what they really had, amen, attributed to them and allotted to them in their course of life. But this is what that son of course is saying I'm going through a dark hour right now I'm going through a season that I would not wish upon any man or any woman right now I, I'm feeling overwhelmed and criticized and taken advantage of right now cheated right now but Lord and I want you to know right now that my days of opening my mouth and my days of clapping my hands and my days of giving adoration to the king of glory are not going to be totally encapsulated in the moment of the present gloom that I'm in in the moment of the present difficulty that I'm facing this is not the end of the road for me this is not the last nail in the coffin for me my praise is not stopping today no, somebody, I've come to preach because I felt this on my heart this afternoon that somebody sitting in this place that's been going through a dark hour or a troublesome time and it seems all the life has been snuffed out of you. It seems all of the, uh, the exuberance and the excitement has been rolled out of you. Circumstances and problems and, and sickness and things of various sorts have entered your life and they've stolen your joy and stolen your peace and you're asking God, where are you? Have you forgotten me? Do you still know where I'm at? I need to tell you tonight that right smack dab in the middle of all of your anguish and all of your pain, you need to raise your voice to the Lord and say, God, I shall yet, I shall yet praise. I shall yet praise you. My praising days are not over. Just because they squandered away the opportunity. If I'm going to be a gatekeeper at the house of God someday, and that's as far as I can go, right at the house, right at the gate of the house of God, I shall yet. Someone say amen. I shall yet. I shall yet praise thee. I feel forgotten by you right now. But God, in my moment of being forgotten, I'm proclaiming, I shall yet. 
praise thee. God, right now where I'm asking and saying, God, where are you? We're almost like Job, you know, in the middle of his difficulty and struggle. The Bible said he looked on his left hand, he could not find him. He looked on his right hand, he could not find him. In front of him, not there. Behind him, not there. Job said, if I just knew where his seat was, this is what Job was going to do. He said, if I just knew where his seat was, that's where I'd save my complaint. You know what I oftentimes pray to the Lord? I prayed to him just like Job did, but I changed it just a little bit. I said, God, I don't see you on my left. God, I don't see you on my right. God, I don't see you in front of me or behind me. And sometimes in my prayer, I say, God, if I just knew where your seat was, rather than complaining to you, I would praise you. Rather than, oh yeah, rather than complaining in the middle of not knowing where you are, where you're coming or where you're going, I would open my mouth at the throne room up and pray. The criticizers, the antagonists, the enemies putting the thumb of oppression upon the sons of Korah are no doubt stating this. Your best days as a family are over. Your best days are behind you. The opportunities that you had extended to you are no more. Your times of being able to relish the presence of the Lord, that is yesteryear. Days gone by when I hear the voice of those old boys. They might have had a portion then, but I shall yet praise him. It's not stopping with them. It's not stopping with that generation. We pulled out and separated ourselves for a purpose. We're still going to. Look at your neighbor and say, don't quit. Quitters never achieved anything. Now I know that's deep and profound, so don't get lost in it. The quitters don't achieve anything. You got to yet, I shall yet praise him. As pastor, he told of his family, the family in his church that he had had for several years, several years faithful. The wife, that is, and children had a husband. The husband didn't go to church. Had that wife and those children. She was just get tired, Brother Terry, tired, so just overwhelmed and tired because she might have them for and they were still married, might have them for a Sunday in the house of God, and then dad would take them out and do all these other things on church service and so on and so forth. She got tired of the struggle, tired of the fight, tired of the battle. She was a Sunday school teacher. I'd been a Sunday school teacher in that church for years, taught children and, and told them about the things of God, and yet constantly had this struggle in her home, and it was just overwhelming to her, Brother Pat. She was feeling the weight, if you will, of the struggle upon her shoulders, and she wanted to meet with, with that pastor and his wife, and they had a meeting with her, and she said, Pastor, I want you to know that I love you very much, and I, I appreciate for all these years, uh, all the investment you have made in me and my girls and in my family, even my husband that's unsaved. And, and I love my church. I do anything for my church. I, I love them and appreciate them. And they're very honorable to me. And I'm thankful that they've been a support system for me. But I've been fighting for so long. And I've been walking through this season seemingly by myself for so long. I just come to tell you, I think it was on a Saturday night. I just come to tell you that I, I, I'm no longer going to teach Sunday school because I'm just kind of giving up and giving in because it's always been the pool this way and that way and I'm tired of going separate directions I'm just giving up pastor looked at that lady 
that said that she loved him, that she loved the church. He said, ma'am, he said, if you really love me the way you say you love me, and you love the church the way that you love the church, he says, I want you to do just one thing for me. She says, sure. Anything, Pastor, one thing. He says, I just want you to teach that class one more time. After that, whatever, but just do it one more time. What's he asking her to do? Yet, praise the Lord. Render the faculties of your being in some purpose for appreciation, some purpose of benefit and support to God. Just one more time. She went home. She agreed. She agreed to the terms with that pastor. She went home. Next morning, Sunday morning, she's getting things together as all times she would. She's getting her things. She's going to go teach this lesson one last time. It's going to be over after that. It's said and done. Quitting. Because I've been in this struggle too long. Back and forth. She's getting things together. That husband that have not went to church with her for 20 some odd years since she's been in that church. Got up that morning and he went into the room where she was and he said, honey. She says, yes. He says, do I own a suit? She said, well, yes, you own a suit. He says, do you think you could iron it? Well, yeah, I'll iron it. She's there ironing that suit. Don't have no idea what in the world is going on in his squirrely mind. He comes to her a little bit later and says, Honey, do I have some dress shoes? Well, yeah, you have dress shoes. Well, will you shine them for me? Well, yeah, I'll shine them for you. And he's shining those shoes and all these things. And that man starts going through the house and getting up their three kids one by one. And says, girls, let's get ready. And that wife looked over him and said, honey, what in the world are you doing? He says, I've been in this house for 20 some odd years. And every time the church doors were open, I've seen you go to church. And I've heard you talk about teaching those kids. And there's just something come over me. You know what? I'm tired of going this way and you going that way. I just decided this morning I'm going to go to church with you. He went to church that Sunday morning, sat toward the back. Amen. She went to teach that class one more time like she said she would teach. And while he was sitting there, there was someone that's sitting behind them that relayed the story as I heard it. Said as they were sitting there, he was looking over at his girls and some of the other people and said, you know what? Why didn't you tell me this preacher was that good of a preacher? Why didn't you tell me there was this good of singing right here? If I'd known that, I'd come every time. But the moral of the story, before it's all said and done, he was at the altar that Sunday morning. He repented of his sins, came back that Sunday night received the baptism of the Holy Ghost what are you saying tonight I'm saying this don't you dare give up in the middle of your struggle don't you dare give up in the middle of your valley you need to raise a voice and say I shall yet praise him I shall yet praise him uh-huh. someone say glory Oh, raise your hands right now all across this place. Someone reach out to the Lord right now. Somebody's might have been entertaining giving up. Somebody may have been entertaining walking out. Somebody may be entertaining. Hey, it'd be a whole lot easier just not to come. But God's saying, you get a tenacity in your spirit and just praise me next service and then the next and just one more time. Come on. 
let's clap our hands unto the Lord right now. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. Glory, 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 glory. Sometimes you just got to come to a place that you're just going to own the fact that it's not good, but it's got to get better. It's not good, but it's got to get better. And so I shall yet praise the Lord. Don't you think for a moment, ladies and gentlemen, that whenever David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem and he danced before the Lord with all of his might and they would go six paces and there were offerings of animals and there was music and there was celebration and all of that was going on, he was praising and glorifying God. But the Bible said, listen to me well, the Bible said that there sitting in the window sill was his wife Michael the Bible said she despised him in her heart this is a jubilant time a time of celebration and whenever he goes home he wants to celebrate about what's going on but she said how calamitously foolish was the king today that uncovered himself in the eyes of the maidens and you know what David's response was he didn't let that get his goat so to speak he said lady this wasn't for you this wasn't for your daddy he says just listen here I will play before the Lord. I'll be more vile. You know what David say, was saying? I shall yet. I shall yet. Let the criticizers and the despisers say what they may say. But we're going to continue to play and worship and yet praise. Amen. You know what the adversary is afraid of? Somebody that says, just give me one more day. Just give me one more day. Just give me one more time in his presence. Just give me one more prayer meeting. Just give me one more day of pushing back the plate. Just give me one more time with his word. That's what the enemy is afraid of. He's trying to discourage you and overcome you with a spirit of discouragement to give up and give in. But you're saying, God, just give me one more day. Just give me one more moment. Brother Mason, come to the music if you will. If you can stand with me all across this place right now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I will yet. Uh-huh. I shall yet. Sir, ma'am, your best days aren't behind you. Sir, ma'am, what's happening right now is, the, is not the finality of your relationship. What's happening right now It's not the beginning of a constant and continual downward spiral. No, 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 no. You're going to still yet praise the Lord. You're going to still yet praise the Lord. Yeah, though you felt forgotten, you're going to open your mouth and you're going to praise him. Though you feel like he's not there, you're going to open up your mouth and you're going to praise him. Though the enemies are scorning you and criticizing you and you got a stigma of passive events upon your life, you are going to yet praise. Let's bow our heads in this place. Lift your hands if, if you feel like it tonight. I shall, I shall, I shall yet. I shall yet praise him. I shall yet praise him. Why? He's my hope. He's the one in whom I have my anchor. I shall yet, I shall yet praise him. Hallelujah. I challenge every individual sitting or standing rather in the sound of my voice tonight. If sickness has come against you, I want you to make your way to the front with a tenacity and a word 
toward heaven that says I shall yet praise the Lord if you're dealing with marital struggles and battles within your home and your marriage I want you to step out into the aisle and come to the front and say God I shall yet praise you if you're in a moment of discouragement perhaps depression that you try to hide from everybody you don't want nobody to know but it's an internal struggle in your own life you make your way to the front tonight and say I shall yet it's not stopping today it's not stopping tomorrow just day by day day by day God I'm going to praise I'm going to worship I'm going to pledge my allegiance to you God I'm disquieted in my soul. I'm disquieted in my spirit. I'm cast down. But I shall yet. I shall. Come on. I feel the Lord in this place right now. I feel the Lord in this place. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.